This is the Renewing Our City podcast, session number six. Listening to the Renewing Our City podcast, the podcast that will help you share Jesus and serve others in your own neighborhood to around the world. I'm your host, Matt Shaw. Welcome back to another episode of the Renewing Our City podcast. My goal in really having this show is to help you lead others on the mission of God. If you want to connect with me on Twitter, my handle is at Pastor Matt Shaw, or you can tweet using the hashtag Renewing Our City and connect with other listeners of this community. Find the show notes at PastorMattShaw.com forward slash 006. It's great to have you. Coming up in our feature interview is my conversation with Dave Colonin. Dave is just a godly man who knows what it means to follow the Lord. I look up to him, and you're going to see why. And he has so many other, I would say, probably thousands of people that look up to him and his ministry and leadership. He knows all about traveling, singing, speaking, writing, radio. If it's a ministry, he's probably done it. Dave's traveled for over 20 years with the gospel singing group, The Couriers. He was a missionary to Barbados. He pastored a local church, actually here in Iowa, for seven years. He traveled with his family, ministering with Home Fire Family Ministries. He does radio currently, and he writes books. Dave was a blast to interview, and we mainly talk about his ministry traveling as an evangelist, hosting concerts, revivals, and preaching to thousands of churches in over 60 countries. So stay tuned for that, especially if you feel called to to evangelism or ministries, or you're going to be bringing these type of men and women into your church. So stay tuned for that. Well, my daughter Lily just turned four, and we had a birthday party for her yesterday. It was so much fun to see what kind of lady God is growing her into. She's just a blast, and we did a piñata. We had some games. She dressed up like Minnie Mouse, had cupcakes. It was really fun. My wife did such a great job planning and hosting that birthday party. But today was uh, really my first Sunday back uh, from, we just got back from the International Conference on Mission in Columbus, Ohio. And it was an amazing time to network and learn. And I just love conferences because it allows you to network and see what other people are doing all around the world and how you can get ideas and network with other people. And really, I gained some friends. And I'll have more information about the conference on my blog coming up. But the big thing that the Lord was really showing me was actually the theme of the conference. Vertical. Vertical uh, was was the name of the conference. And, you know, God was convicting me so much because I need to be focusing and giving my time on prayer, going vertical to connect to God before we go horizontal and do our mission work. We, We try to work so hard for God and first, we need to be getting our our orders and really communing with the God that we serve. Our work reaching people can take so much time and energy, and we need to be making sure that we are connecting with Jesus before and during the work that we're doing for Him, and we need to remember that. But before uh, I forget, I want to tease you a little bit, because at the end of the show, Dave gave me six of his newest books to give away, so stay tuned at the end of the show to find out more about how to win one of these books, autographed books, I should say. So without further ado, here's my feature interview with Dave Clonin. 
All right, well, welcome back to the show. Uh, today's guest, we have Dave Colonin. Dave's one of my family friends, but he's also a phenomenal uh, ministry-minded man who's been in the ministry for how long, Dave? 58 years. 58 years. Well, welcome to the show, and uh, I am so, so excited to have you. Actually, I'm here in uh, Dillsburg, Pennsylvania with my in-laws, and uh, Dave's one of their neighbors uh, from... Way back. Way back. So I'm, uh, I'm super excited. I've heard a lot of stories and kind of compiled them in my head. And I said, I need Dave Clonin to come on to the Renewing Our City hey, podcast. So. Thanks for the invite. What a, what a neat opportunity just to be with you and your wife, Kristen, and the Whitcombs. It's just nice to be uh, talking to you on, on uh, what, whatever we got going here. I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, the podcast. It, looks all, it yeah. all looks good to me. Dave's a radio guy, so he... Uh, He's going to be on the internet this time on uh, iTunes and on the web, Stitcher and some other uh, web radio type of shows. But I was uh, talking to Judy a little bit earlier, Dave's wife, and she uh, was asking, hey, what's he going to talk about? Because Dave was saying, I could probably talk for two days about all these topics about your podcast is about. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, evangelistic meetings. And I want to be... I want to be able to talk to Dave about this one topic, but first let's start about some of your story where uh, he's, he's been a foreign missionary, he's been a pastor of a church, he's traveled in a singing group, a family a ministry group. You have so much experience with evangelism, outreach, pastoring, missions, and that's what our listeners really want to hear. So let's just real quick talk about your story and uh, some of these ministries you've been involved in. Well, I'll begin, Matt. When uh, I went to Bible college, uh, I knew that I needed to get on the platform and uh, get there as often as I could so that I could, uh, in four years, make myself into what God wanted me to be. And so I said, well, how how do you get on a platform? And they said, well, nobody wants an amateur preacher, (laughs) but everybody wants a a singer. So I said, i got to get in a singing group. That's how I'm going to get on the out of here every weekend from school and, and, and get on the platform. And so I got in a, in a group, and uh, it was true. We called preachers and say we're the Bible school group, and uh, we're just learning how to sing, and we'd like to come for a service. And everybody said, yes, hey, come, come, give us see what you wow. got. And I did that for all four years. And when the fourth year was over, I thought I was now going to take a church and go be pastor somewhere. And, and everybody said, hey, we worked hard for four years. We, we've, we've sung and we've sung. And uh, why don't we do this full-time? Why don't we be a full-time group? And uh, we didn't know what that what that was all about. Was there a lot of singing groups back then starting up? Uh, was that pretty well, popular when, to do? Or? When the Blackwood Brothers and the Statesmen came to town, we all went to the program. Sold out. We said, we're not going back to the school. We, we, want to, we want to hear this. And I'd never heard a gospel group in my life. And uh, the lady said, well, you can stand up on the balcony up in Peanut Heaven. You can, uh, you can stand up there then, and you, if you want to come that bad. So we all went up stood up at the top of the balcony way up in Peanut Heaven. And, man, the group came out and started singing. And uh, I was interested. I was really fascinated with what they're doing. Then the bass singer came out. And he took this great big solo. And I mean, he rumbled the building. I mean, the whole building kind of shook. And me, I did the same thing. My whole body shook. And I, I left that night with a big dream that says, I wonder if I could if I could ever sing that low. I could get to the piano and see how low that is. 
Well, I never did sing as low as him, but uh, I, the, the group, we we got out of school and, and everybody said, we, where are we going? I said, let's go to a place they never heard because we're not that good and nobody will know whether we're good or bad and we're bad and they won't know it. And so we moved to... We moved to my home state. I don't know how I ever talked those guys into it. I said, I'm from, I'm from Pennsylvania. Nobody ever heard of the Blackwood Brothers. I said, we could move to Pennsylvania. We could just carve out our, our ministry and uh, do it full time. You know, five, six days a week, we'd go to churches. It wasn't all that easy. We got in our big caravan and we drove all the way to Pennsylvania, got a two-room apartment on the river, the Susquehanna. And... Uh, we had a guy that could uh, call the preachers. That was his job. He was going to book us, one of our group, the baritone. And uh, I remember how hard it was to book because preachers didn't know about concerts. There was no church concert. It was one song before the message. That was it. And we're trying to tell him, hey, we're coming just for a concert. We're going to sing about 15 to 20 songs. And... Uh, the preacher couldn't, he couldn't fathom it. He, he could, his mind knew that, that that wouldn't work. So they wanted to have you on Sunday morning. To right, sing one song. Right well, there. that wasn't going to make it either. Who was going to pay us big bucks? Five dollars. You were right for one song. And finally they said, well, okay, come. And uh, will you come for what you can get? Well, that was a, that was a big deal. And we did. We went, we, we went for what we could get. And uh, we had like 10, 15, 20 people because we had to book every night so that we could get some money. And so we booked about ten, about six days a week. And we'd go to the church, and there'd be 25 people, 30 people. 50 people was a huge crowd for us. But we were learning. We learned. We learned together. We learned how to introduce a song. We learned how to, how to sing music that would fascinate people. And uh, uh, after 10 years, Matt, can you believe it? it took 10 years to get us a crowd and finally, the the radio station came and said, uh, we, we, we went to the radio and we said, look, we need uh, radio time. Oh, yeah, okay, we got time on Sunday morning. Yeah, what do you want? And we told them about 8 o'clock would be good. And they said, well, this is going to cost you this much. And we said, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to give you our talent for your time because we don't have any money. Yeah. And they didn't know how to get rid of us. We're five guys that were just... Anxious to do anything for the Lord. And finally, the, the owner of the radio station, WCMB, right here in, in Harrisburg, they said, look, we'll get everybody in the station. There might be 40, 50 people work here. We'll get them all down here to the front, and, and you sing about three songs, and then we'll have a vote. And if they vote yes, you have a program for free at 8 o'clock on Sunday Wow. Morning. Well, we went out in the parking lot, and we prayed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a bunch of kids. You know, I was, I was what? 21 or 22. And uh, we went out there and we prayed. We said, God, this would be the answer to our, our whole ministry. We sang our three songs and the crowd voted and everybody voted yes. Wow. We were on the radio for 10 years for free. And that packed out the churches. We started packing out every denominational church. We, we packed out all the Methodists, all the Presbyterians, all the Lutherans, all the... Every every church that would write, we said just, just here in Pennsylvania. Just, yeah, yeah, just wow. in Pennsylvania, round the round the station, and we packed everyone every week, and uh, we ended up winning a contract with television out of Channel Eight, which is one of the big stations in our central Pennsylvania, 
And when we got on television, then the, you know, the wow. sky fell in and we packed every church that we ever went in every night. We learned how to make a, a, an incredible investment in churches. We changed their scope of music. We changed their, the, the, the charismatic style that we had. We, we, we moved the church uh, all over central Pennsylvania. In the meantime, when that would get old and we'd be here for 30 days in a row, we said, hey, we got to get out here. So we started taking trips, and we took a trip to Canada. And then we took a trip across Canada for 39 days. We were staying away from home. And then we went for 40 days. We went up to Canada, Toronto, went across the country, into Seattle, down to, to California, and then home at the bottom. 40 days, no days off, 40 concerts. Wow. We did that for 20 years in a row without missing. Did you guys ever lose your voice or struggle? Because that, that's the a more, lot of singing. No, the more you sing, your whore, your voice becomes a... Uh, uh, Gets used to it. Yeah, yeah, it does. And and we sang every night for 40 nights and never flickered once. So was it just singing at these concerts or what, what was some of the draw? Was it just the music or did you uh, did you do anything else? Well, we had a, you have to build your crowd. People begin to, to like our kind of music. And so we would preach at the end for 10 minutes. Hmm. Nobody wanted preaching. You, you came here to sing. You said 20 songs. We don't want you to preach. So we had to kind of squeeze it in. We, we, we had to kind of go thinking that it was an introduction to the next song. Here it was Who the closing. Who did the preaching? And everybody gave me the, ch- the chance. They, 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 they said, we don't want to do it, Dave. You're, you're the one that knows how to speak. So you, you preach all of them. So I preached the closings for... All those years. Wow. Went to 10,000 churches, and I was privileged to give the closing. So you, uh, were you the couriers then as well? Yes, we so were the couriers. So you had this group right out of college, and then what happens after that 10 years? <sighs> A couple guys quit. They said, uh, this is not making us the money. We, one, one guy wanted to be a millionaire. And uh, he said, this group will never give me a million dollars, so I'm getting it out. And another guy wanted to be with his family. He didn't want to go on a 40-day trip. Uh, so he quit, and we were down to three. And we decided to, to stay three because then we could do other things that maybe you couldn't do with five. We could do missionary work. Somebody come and challenged us about getting out of the country. And uh, we said, well... We don't know if we can afford to, to do something for free. So, well, if you take a month a year, God will bless you. Mm. And a guy challenged us. Uh, he said, I'll book the first tour for you. I'll give you 21 days. You have to go. Once I book it, you have to go. To raise your own money, because where I'm sending you, they don't have money. You're going as a missionary. You're going for free. Well, that was a challenge to us. And uh, the Lord, that really put the icing on the cake. Yeah, we started doing missionary. The money, the money flowed into our pockets. People just gave and gave and gave and said, "You guys, you're doing what we, what we hoped that a gospel group would do." We went to 62 countries. Wow, where was the first country that you ever went? We went to Jamaica. Was first. It It was the West Indies first. We went to Jamaica, we went to Barbados, we went to Trinidad, we went to Guyana, South America. That was our first trip. We came back, changed people. We came back, changed people. We we had a smart, we had, I don't know, we had a glow like Moses going to the mountain and and was with God. When we came home, people wow. said, what, what, where have you guys been? What's the matter with you? 
other groups, they, they would come to us uh, and they would say, you know, why want to do what you're doing, Dave? How'd you do it? I said, look, I, I can book you. Give me the dates. Give me the phone. I can book you. You want to go where you want to go? Tell me. I got all the contacts. <laughs> and they said, okay, here's, here's the dates. Uh, I remember them bringing the dates to me and saying, okay, Dave, here's the dates. So let's see what you can do. And then they said, before you, before you make the call, how much money are we going to make every day? And I laughed out loud. <laughs> yeah. I said, it's for free. Missions is for free. And they said, oh, we could never do that for free. And they walked away. Wow. So we couldn't convince anybody to do missions. But every time we came home, everybody would be excited about it. People would come to our record table. They, I don't, they don't even know why they bought the record. It was because God said, these guys, they gave their life for missions for, for a month. You better give them something in the offering, or you better buy something. And so it just, wow. next year we come to the place where we didn't have any money. The budget was low. And everybody says, you think we're going on missions this year? I said, we can't afford not to go. Wow. So that changed our whole life, Matt. You, once you get out of the country and you start singing, uh, wow, we... I can't tell you how incredible it is to go to Africa and to the village, uh, to walk five miles to a, to a village where 150 people live in, in huts that are up on stilts. Uh, the missionary came to us and he said, okay, Dave, he said, you've been here 10 days. He said, you're leaving t- tomorrow. He said, uh, I'll give you ch- three choices of what we're going to do today, the last day. He said, you can go to bed and sleep. You're probably tired. Uh, you can... You go to the beach. We, have, we can find you a beach maybe 30, 40 miles away, and you can swim. Or the final thing is, I want to take you to a, a, a little village that I am teaching them for the first time about Jesus. I came to Africa, and I told the Lord, I don't want to go home without talking to the people who never heard the name of Jesus. Wow. So I said, do you want to go there for, for a little service? And we all said, you're kidding me. Yeah. There's no... <laughs> There, there's where we go and so we got in the car we drove 20 miles to the jungle we got out and he said okay we got to walk five miles back in the jungle and we got we went down there was a big river it wasn't a big river it was a, it was it was more than just a little creek and i said how are we going to get across this he said well he said i made a raft he went over in the bushes and he pulled out a raft and we all got on it and with a big long pole and we crossed wow. the river and when we got across the river, he said, okay, now we've got to walk five miles. Well, when we walked five miles and had a, we, we climbed the last hill, here was this village. And the people, uh, there was nobody in it. It was empty. We walked up and we said, well, Jerry, he was the, he was the missionary. He said, where, where, where's the people? He said, they're afraid. They saw you coming. And <laughs> these, these people aren't used to seeing white people. And they're, you're new and you're a, a visitor and they're scared. So they're all around the trees and all they went back and hid in their house. We kind of laughed and everything. And he says, uh, let me just walk out in the middle and just hold up my hands and they'll see it's me. And then uh, they'll, come and they'll come out. And he did. He went out in the middle and, and just kind of yelled a little bit. And pretty soon the whole 150 people all came out. None of them had clothes on. They were all naked. And they all came around Jerry and said, <laughs> what, 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 what's doing? What's happening? He said, I got, I got a group of Guys here that want to sing for you. And, and he said, you can sing for them. 
He said, so I'll ring the bell, and that'll tell everybody we're going to have church. That's how, he, that's how he learned how to do it. And he rang the bell, and everybody disappeared to their homes. And I said, Jerry, well, why'd you do that? He said, well, he said, we'd allow anybody to come to church service with, without any clothes on. Mm. He said, so I sent them all home to get clothes. Well, when they came back, they had, from their neck down, they had more U.S. clothes than you could ever. <laughs> everybody was full of, of all kinds of clothes that they had on them. And they came and sat in a little, and the, the little hut, the church, it, it could only hold us. You know, we, we filled yeah. the church. And the people were standing around, sitting around. And then Jerry, after we had sung a while, he said, okay, now we're going to sing for you. So we sat down. And these people began to sing, and they sang all their African songs, and they they danced around the drums and all this stuff. And then he said, "Okay," he said, "Now I want you to, I want to show these courier boys what you've learned since I've been here." And they start singing. They sing, "Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia, what a Savior!" And the, they sang all verses. Beautiful harmony in, in in a little old hut. I thought it was, you know, we've been in some of the biggest auditoriums and churches in the world, and that little crowd of 100 people, 150 people, they they brought us all to tears. We just sat there and we just mesmerized of what we were doing in Africa. Smart thing we did. If you ever go to Africa, we had a Polaroid camera. And we could take a picture, like we took a picture of a little baby, and then we let everybody see it develop. And, and all of a sudden, their eyes came out of their heads and said, what, what is that? And then so, me, 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 they want me yeah, to take me. So we started taking about three or four pictures, and finally there was 100 people wanted their picture. So we got them all together, took one big picture, and they all watched it come to oh, life. Wow. And then we put it on the church door and stuck it in with a thumbtack and left it there. That is they neat. were they're probably still treasuring. I bet it still has. I, I bet it's still on that door. I was in Haiti this summer and we were we were in church service listening to the preacher and I got my phone out and I was checking the time. This little boy uh, took my phone and he wanted to take some pictures. So right in the middle of the service, I had about ten kids totally disrupting the service. And uh, later on, I looked and they took like two hundred photos. All throughout the service, and they're mostly blurry of themselves, and then they're fighting over it. Man, they, they love to see photos, and in and, and it, I think that makes us feel like we can take that so much for granted what we have. And okay, hey, so I have no idea that I'm saying the answer that you want me to say. I'm just talking, I'm just this yakking. Is, this is wonderful. I okay, think you, I'm, you're I'm doing okay. <laughs> oh, you're doing great, Dave. Well, let's move on. Uh, so you've done, you know, uh, couriers, you start going doing mission work. What's after that? Uh, we went to Barbados every year for 12 years. Barbados is one of the great resort islands of the world. We went there every year in February. The first 10 days, we didn't even have to call the missionary. We had it planned for 10 years. Every February 1, we're coming. We're going yeah. to have a two-week meeting, concert, and a message. Now, was that to uh, people on vacation, or was that to the local Barbados? That was to the local Barbados. Okay. They, had a, they had a great church there. We did that for 12 years in a row. I eventually, when the couriers, we had we had a, a, a one of our guys got voice troubles, got a nodule on his vocal cord, and uh, when the doctor took it off, he took too much and messed up Dwayne's voice, and Dwayne couldn't sing anymore. Not like he used to. He was he was the star of the show. He could 
just was sore. Wow. And all of a sudden he couldn't. And uh, uh, I decided maybe it was my time to resign. I'd given it 25 years. I was, I was, I was we, we'd been to all those 62 countries in 25 years. We'd been around the world four times. It was time to quit. I was finished. I was over. And so then I, I went to Barbados. When, when we came down to February 1, everybody's, my family, they said, um, who's going to who's gonna do the crusade in Barbados this year? And I said, we are. <laughs> so we went there for two weeks. And the, the pastor said, after the first night, he said to the congregation, he said, uh, uh, I think it'd be great if, the, if Dave could come with his family to Barbados for a year. People cheered, and, let, and I, we all kind of, we went back in, the, in our place where we were staying, and they said, Dad, was the preacher really serious about us coming here for a year? Uh, and I said, well, are you willing to do it? And they said, man, yeah, this is, this is the ocean. We, we live on the ocean. This is a resort. <laughs> this is big bad. time. Right, it's not too bad. It's warm. And uh, I said, look, that, that just may have came out of the, come out of the preacher's mouth as a uh, uh, you know, he asked us, but he didn't really mean it. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to ask you not to say one word about Barbados and a coming here. Not one of you are allowed. We're going to be here for 10 days. I will never mention it again. So that if the pastor wasn't at really after us, he, we wouldn't pressure him. He would not be under pressure. So for two weeks, we never said a word about Barbados. <laughs> we did our thing. We did a big, the last night, the pastor getting up and introduced us, and he said, uh, the Clonin family has been here for two weeks, and I want to tell you something, they will be here for a year. <laughs> and we all went, oh, what? I said, he, want us, he wants us. Wow. We would have never brought it up. We, we went one year, we stayed three. We couldn't get out. The church grew from 500 to 5,000. We had an incredible wow. adventure. When, when you do something for the Lord and you get all excited about it, and the, the Lord appoints you and you obey, the sky is the limit. That is so cool. Then I would tell you something, Matt. When you get a vision and you got a vision, I'm, I'm speaking through a vision. This is what, what, what I see at this table where we're sitting. This is a vision from you. You are an incredible young man who has who has something coming from God. From it doesn't come from Earth. It, it it's it, it comes from above. It's supernatural. And when you find it, your place, when you finally see the vision of where God's taken you, the sky's the limit. The sky is the limit. You can go for broke. Well, I think just hearing all these stories it really motivates me because it's so <laughs> easy to have this mindset where you just kind of get stuck in your ways or you're doing ministry and and i i think it's easy to be like those other singers where i'm not going to go do that missions work or i'm i'm going to preach and do these christian things but not always uh really get on fire and you know just talking to you we were at the radio station today and just hearing your passion at your age many people are sitting in a in a, in a rocking chair a, a lazy boy watching tv and you're here trying to add value to so many people's lives i just you're the real deal, man, and hey. it's pretty cool. When we finished three years, they called us from, from Davenport, Iowa. You know where that is? I do know where that is. They called and said, Dave, God told us to call you in Barbados. I know you probably don't want to leave there, but our church is open to you. We'd like to have you as our pastor. 
Iowa is pretty much a tropical, uh, a tropical <laughs> paradise. Uh, some people call it the promised land, land flowing of milk and honey. So well, nice, dirty Mississippi River right there. Tons of flat land. I didn't realize I was going to learn about hogs and beans and corn. And uh, but I loved, I loved pastoring. I pastored for seven years. I was getting ready to leave to go to some other church, and, and my family had grown up, and my girls had gotten married. I have three girls. They were all married preachers, singers. All of a sudden, we had eight adults, and they all came. They came and said, Dave, you know how to book. You book the couriers. We want to go on the road with you. We want to travel all over America. And the next day, uh, that all worked out, and we said, okay, we'll, we'll go. I said, if everybody will go, I'll go. If, if somebody stays home, then I'm not doing it. So your whole family, all the kids. All, all the I, everybody grand, had to go. Kids yet? You had grandkids we right? had We had Couple we had three cap. We had three grandkids, and a lot more to come because now we have eight, and we have five great grandkids. Wow. And I, I said to get out of it so that I wouldn't have to do it. Cause I didn't want to travel. I didn't want to book all those churches again. I didn't want to travel all over America. I'd already done that. And they said, in an hour's time, they're on the phone with each other from miles apart. They had it all worked up. So come back, Dad. We're all going. Everybody, everybody signed up, and we were ready to go. Well, we had to buy RVs. We had to, well, we had to make, you know, that, we, we spent a quarter of a million dollars in 10 minutes as to what we needed. And uh, we did that for 13 years. We traveled with four RVs up and down the highway for 13 years. So did you guys have any uh, family fights within that close proximity? Or I'm sure it's just all, all bliss. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, we had ways to work that out. Yeah. The relationship was more important than what was happening. So we got away with murder. We, everything that was bad or we didn't like or when it came up, we didn't fight because the relationship was better than what we were going to fight about. I've been at your house for uh, Thanksgiving and a couple Christmases. <laughs> Why all your family's there, and it's just awesome to see this legacy. We get to stop by, and uh, it's so cool to see all all yes. your grandkids are in ministry, loving Jesus. Uh, great grandkids now. Four granddaughters in Bible college this year. One of them became the uh, the homecoming queen. Wow. Uh, there are two of them are graduating this year. One of them's getting married, marrying another preacher. All, all six granddaughters are going to marry preachers. They all wow. set their minds on that, and they're looking for their man. And uh, after we get through with that, uh, they they wanted to pastor churches. They wanted they wanted to get out of what we were doing. They thirteen years is a long time yeah. to to trudge up and down America. Real quick, what was some of your ministry that you're doing with your family? What's some stuff you did at churches? It was successful family living. I would talk to the men. Judy would talk to the ladies. The three daughters would, would uh, take different areas of instruction for the children. Mike, our one of our son-in-laws, uh, he took the children. He didn't want to. We looked at all of one meeting. We said, who wants to take care of the children in these services? And then everybody said, not me, not me, not me, not me. And we looked right at Mike because he'd been doing these 
little tricks with his hands, and the, he was he was great with kids. Everywhere, every pastor's house, Mike was good. That's so we looked, why he's such a good senior pastor now. He planted a church. Right, he did. He did the little thing first, and then God says, "You did the little thing. Well, I'll give you the big thing." And we all said to Mike, "You are doing the children." You know what? He became more successful at that than any of us. The kids would come on Monday night, and none of them would miss Tuesday. And they wow. brought somebody with them, and they brought the parents, and we we packed out the church. We we had a blast for those those years. We traveled. We did forty two states. We traveled from one end to the other. We went to Florida every year for winter. I we I didn't see snow for twenty five years. Wow. Last year was the first time we retired, and I stayed home from Florida. We had the worst winter we ever had in Pennsylvania, <laughs> and we're looking forward to another one this year. Yeah, the last winters was pretty brutal. Okay, so then you're down with Home Fire, and then you start back with the couriers. I went to preach at a church for an intern because I was looking for anything to do. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? The kids are taking churches, and... And we're, we're finished. And uh, I went to church one day, and the, the pastor said, you know, there's a couple guys in the church who want to sing with you before you preach. Are we going to rehearse? Well, their name is Dwayne and Neil. That was my two partners <laughs> I sung with. Group. Well, that morning we were going to sing one song and let me preach. We sang nine songs. And we hadn't seen each other for 20 years. And... Everybody was crying. Our wives were crying. Our friends were crying. The congregation was crying. And there was a weepy sound that came from us. And it was like like we had never left each other. We'd done it so much for 25 years. We knew every part. We knew how to sing it. Wow. We knew every word. And we sang it like we had never been away from each other. When it was over, I said, guys, why did you retire? They'd been retired for three years without me. And I said, why did you retire? And he said, well, we couldn't book it anymore. So we, nobody wanted to book it. I said, well, I'm a booker. I can book it. If you want to go back on the road, I'll book it. And I think God will, God will give us 10 good years of running the nation again. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. I called every preacher. You want the couriers? Call me. The phone rang off the hook. We, we packed 10 years in. And uh, then it was time, it's time to quit after 10 years. It was... You know, in a few days, I'm going to be 80. I would have never guessed that. I packed my life. I packed my wow. life with years and years of, wow, what God can do. Yeah. And uh, uh, I just, I just, I wish that I could help people find the best out of life like I did. When you find the best out of life, there's some mandates that you have to live by. And uh, that's another whole evening to talk about the mandates that you live by yeah you can you can talk we'll have to have you back on the show to talk about the <laughs> mandates of life you live by we want right. to well you know so so now you're you're working on the radio you have a radio a I, I quit, radio I quit show. When the couriers broke up sang our last song on december of last year the radio station uh they called me and said we need a chaplain i said well what, what does the chaplain do they said we don't know yet but we'll we'll find out we'll do it together <laughs> I went down to a board meeting. I spoke for about 20 minutes, and they said, oh, can you come back next time? And I said, yeah. Pretty soon I was, I was asked to come every week, every time they had a meeting. And so I, 
for a year before we even got on the air at the radio station. I learned to love those people and love the guys, the board, and uh, we ended up being a great team. Then a little girl came to me. She said, Dave, you don't, you don't really know what I am. She said, she said I'm, I'm a truck driver. I, I drive 18-wheelers. She said, I got hurt the other day, and I, I might not be able to drive anymore. But she said, I don't think you know about it, but there's a, there's a trucker church by telephone that's all over America, every state, all 50 states. And said, I, I wonder if you'd be willing to preach for 45 minutes on that trucker network. <laughs> and I said, 45 minutes, you get to preach to truckers. They just dial their phone they, and they put it up on their front while they're driving and, and turn it on speakerphone and, and, and I get to preach to them. I said, hey, I'll try it. Well, I found favor with those people. Yeah. I preached one night and they said, can you come back next week? And I said, yeah. And I, 12 weeks later, I'd been there 12 times. And then they, then they said to me, Dave, Monday night is yours. You can preach to 25,000 truckers every Monday night if you want to. It's your deal. Well, I've been here ever since. I'm, I'm, I'm two years at it. That is so amazing. And when you get to preach to all the truckers all over America, right out of your own room, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to be my guest. Matt's going to preach. You're going to preach to 25,000 truckers on a Monday night for 45 minutes. Yeah, we, from your own home in your own private office with nobody around unless you want to bring your church with you. I'm sure I'll be pacing back and forth <laughs> talking into my phone. I preached to my mom on the phone quite a bit, so okay. she was no. <laughs> no, that's coming for you. I'm, I'm as quick as you can get a Monday night free. You're on. Yeah, you we'll can, do that. You, you, you'll just add to uh, the jobs that you have. Well, it's for free. I did, I've done it for free for over two years. I've done the radio as the chaplain for over two and a half years for free. That's awesome. But I found something, Matt, that I want you to hear me real close. Whenever you do something and, and there is no money in it, remember, God has a bigger paycheck than any man ever had. And he knows how to take care of you. If you will care for that, when somebody says, can you do this for me? Don't ask, what's in it for me? Say yes. And God will hear that yes, and God will take care of you. You will get a check in the mail from places you never dreamed possible. When I said yes and started doing this all for free, you know what happened to me, Matt? You know, the couriers have sung for like 58 years, off and on. And we... Every time you're on the radio, you get like two cents or three cents a song. They, mm -hmm. they chalk it up. For all those 58 years, nobody ever chalked up what we did on radio. Nobody. And funny, there came a person that joined a certain agency and said, how about the couriers? Well, I don't see anything, I don't see anything here for the couriers. Now, they're on the radio. They checked us out, and they went back through, they went back through the whole years. And they said, you know, we owe these couriers uh, at least $10,000 a piece. Wow. I was doing something for free. <laughs> and all of a sudden, in my mailbox comes a check that I, I never dreamed that they were doing that. No, I thought that ah, nobody's ever kept record. Nobody knows about that. So don't be afraid to do something for the Lord for free. God will pay you back in ways that man could never touch it. 
I think all the all the listeners of the show can also benefit from that because it's it's so true. We do things for the Lord, not for the money, but for uh, to reach people to to make His uh, you know fame greater throughout the whole earth. And it's so easy for us to be thinking in man's mind or the way the world thinks is uh, you know how do I gain more money to do this or sell these products? And you're really a great example of that of putting your life out there and just serving serving others. No strings attached, not trying to doing it for your benefit, but really just sacrificing your life. And I know the Lord's going to bless people for that. And right. I think everybody with that type of mentality, you're going to have eternal reward no matter what. The Lord's really going to bless you in heaven. And I don't, I don't know how, how what time you got up. Do you, do I got time for another story? Oh, we're doing great on time. Okay. Let me tell you another story. And that's when my family got on the highway. Okay. We had four RVs and people weren't paying us all that much money. And every week we got lower and lower where we could, where we, where were we getting desperate? Finally, one Sunday, I got my family together before church and I said, Hey, gang, the way we're going, I can see we're going bankrupt. Slowly but surely. And it won't, but it's a matter of time. We'll be, we'll be done. I said, I, I want us to pray this morning a different prayer than you've ever prayed. And let's see if the Lord really wants us out here. And if he doesn't, it will be news to us to do something else. Yeah. So here's the way I prayed. Oh, God, you have 30 days to tell us whether you want us out here or not. In 30 days, you have to show us that you need us. We're going to do our best. We have from the beginning, but we're going broke, and we can't do this past 30 more days. But if you'll show us that you want us, We'll stay out here forever if that's what you need. We'll wait for you starting right now, Lord, 30 days. Give him a deadline. That month and the next, uh, I could tell you miracle after miracle that happened in the first week. We made over $25,000 that month. <laughs> Paid all of our bills, got us out of debt, give everybody a bonus, went to the next church absolutely thrilled people people saying why are you guys so happy <laughs> we're not going to tell you but if, if you got $25,000 from the from the lord this month wow. you'd be happy too we went to a little church i did all the booking right and if a, if a person I, here's the way i booked if you call me i will never say no and i won't ask you how much how much you can afford how many people not i won't i just say yes yeah. So, uh, Pastor called me, all excited. Hey, uh, can you come to our church? And I said, yes. We booked the date when we got there. Four RVs. There was only room for us in the parking lot. That's it. We were bigger than the church. We walked into the church. All families jumped out of there and wanted to see what this church is going to be like for four days. We're going to be there four days. Yeah. And there was only four pews. And I can hear my family mumbling under their breath what was dad thinking why are we here what the world are we going to do with four pews we're we don't have room for to get us all on a platform what are we going to do this is crazy so we started having our meetings the whole town thought we were the circus everybody began began to come to the circus <laughs> we're all these rvs all these campers all these people what's happening yeah. and we we packed the building by Wednesday, we had over 125 people that was coming to the service. 
Every day we met the first day, the man with a wheelchair. He wheeled himself up to the campers, and huh. we couldn't get rid of him. He's, after church, he was there. We, we almost had to force him to get in his car and get out of the way. we got to go to bed. He bugged us every day. He'd come early, an hour early, and he's standing up there, and he's just rolling around. And Wednesday night, we all said, oh, last night for this church. We have big crowds, we're having a good time, but that guy with that wheelchair, he's bugging us. At the end of the service on Wednesday, he came up to me, wheeling with his big wheelchair, his arms <laughs> rolling around. He said, Dave, he said, I appreciate you guys being here. I, you just included me. I've been here early and left late. And he said, my family has loved it. And he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I fell off the roof. That's why I'm in this wheelchair. He said, and today I got the money for my retirement. And he said, for your family, I want to give you the first $5,000 tonight. Wow. <sighs> you know, that'll bring it to your knees. It'll put tears in your eyes. And when my family heard that somebody had given us five grand, they said, Dad, I don't care if there's only one pew. If you're booking it, we're going. That that'll put that'll put steel in your backbone. That'll yeah. make you say, "I don't care who, where it is. You want us? Yeah. To, where do you want us to go next?" You got to remember some of the things I'm trying to say to you, Matt, because you're still young and you're trying to get the best out of life right now. You can't wait till you're 50 and say, oh, "I better, I better get started <laughs> here." You you got a beautiful wife. You got a lovely family. I love your children. I, I love the background. I love your family. That's in the. Uh, Iowa, I didn't realize, but they were the Shaw Electric family who had the electric business was not far from my church. And you guys surely had to come by my church at Christmas because we did a big uh, Christmas display. I never met you, but I bet you were in, in our on our campus. That made the world feel pretty small when we made all those connections. <laughs> you did our wedding. Yeah, I said, man, I know this guy from when he's a little kid. Man, we, we had a lot of connections. Actually, I just got to baptize my grandma in that same church, West Side Assembly. Mm, so is that it's pretty, right? pretty awesome. And, uh, well, we better get to the meat of the show. Oh, and, uh, so that was, a, we're, we're, that was a good introduction, Dave. That was a good introduction <laughs> to you. See, we, we had to take 41 minutes for your life story because it's so impactful. And just for the last part of this, what we really want to unpack is, one is, uh, you know, in regards to evangelism ministry, I think you're very qualified for that you definitely uh, fit the fit the bill for somebody that's had an effective evangelistic life and i know there's many listeners that are 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 going to these type of meetings these concerts these revivals these retreats where you know preachers and and people singing and, and doing family ministries and what role have you seen this ministry fill in the local church and in, in, in bringing outside speakers in for the sake of evangelism and discipleship Music is a real attraction for the world. And so we filled up a lot of churches and filled up their altars with people who wanted to give themselves to the Lord, who wanted to find the treasures that God had for their lives. Uh, my brothers wanted to do what I did. They were 10 years younger than me. When I was 20, they were 10. When I left home, I didn't talk to my brothers. How do you talk to a 10-year-old or a 9-year-old? And so when I... When I got through school and got on the couriers, in 10 years, I was traveling in a big bus and traveling around the country. I was a, my brothers were now, I was 30 and they were 20. And they called me and said, Dave, 
Mom and Dad, they don't know anything. We don't have... We don't have anything going for us. We're sitting here at the house. We're bored, silly. Mom and Dad don't know how to talk to us. We need a job. We don't have a job. We don't have, we don't have anything. And all we do is see you. And you, you know, look, look you, got, you got the world by the tail. Well, I'm going to ask you, Dave, can we come to your house and live for a couple of years? I said, I just got married. I got kids now, and we got, don't have a big house. And my wife, you think she's going to accept you th- you three guys, my three <laughs> brothers in, in the house? And I, I said, let, let, give me a chance. I'll, I'll call. I'll talk to Judy. Talk to Judy. I said, Judy, my brothers want to come live with us. What? <laughs> yeah, my brothers. They're, they're 19 and 20 and 21. They're, 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 they need help. Are you are you willing to have my brothers come and live with us? Man, we don't have room, but yeah, if that's what you want, Dave, let's bring them. They came. I found them a job. Uh, I went by the bread company and I saw all those trucks out there. And I went to the Indian side and I said to the manager, I said, "I got three brothers that want a job, and they'll drive those bread trucks for you." And they'll start tomorrow. And the guy said, bring them here at 4 o'clock in the morning and we'll go. So I went out and I said, I got you guys a job. You start 4 o'clock in the morning. What? 4 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) 4. You know, and I taught them how to get a bank account, told them how to to save their money. And I said, when you get $1,000, I'll call the president of the Bible school and you can go to the Bible school and learn how to preach. And you can do what I'm doing. Oh, Dave, credit. So we got $100 put in the bank. Pretty soon we had 200 Hey, we got $200 in the bank, Dave. How much do we need? I said, you need $1,000 to at least get started. Pretty soon it was 400 Then it was 600 Then it was 800 Then it was 950 And then I said, okay, I'm, I'm ready to call the president. And you can, you can go to, to Bible school and you can become what your big brother is. You can, you can be a preacher. And the, the day before Paul was supposed to go to school. He got to me and Judy, and he came up to us, and he said, you know, I got $1,000. He said, I'm going to school next week. Praise God. I can't thank you enough. But I got to go to West Virginia and visit a friend. This is the last week at your house. Now I'm, I'm leaving now forever, so uh, what? I just, I just want to know if you think it's okay that I go to West Virginia. I said, hey, go see your friend. So I said, Friday, I'll, I'll come back Monday. So Monday morning came. I hadn't heard from Paul. Afternoon, didn't hear from Paul. Late that night, Paul called. He's crying, crying. 20-year-old, just pouring out of him. He said, Dave. He said, I, uh, he said, I can't tell you what I've done, but it's bad. He said, I didn't go to West Virginia. I lied to you. He said, I found out how to play the horses in New York City. So I went to New York City for these two days, and I, I lost all $1,000. It's a good thing I wasn't in person with him. It's a good thing he was 400 miles away. Yeah. And right then is when I reached into a treasure cup. The Bible says that... When you see the glory of God, he will store in you a treasure that you can use when you need it. And at that moment, I didn't need anything. I was ready to kill him. <laughs> and I, and, but I reached into, into my cup of treasure, 
and I pulled out of it a beautiful ministry called Mercy. And Mercy turned me around that moment. I said to my brother, Paul, you've done wrong. You have enough money to get home? He said, I don't have any money. I'm hungry. He said, I said, how much gas do you have? He said, I think I can get home with the gas. I said, you come back. We'll start all over. We'll start to, and then another year we'll raise another thousand and you can go to school then. Please come. My brother came home, raised another thousand, sent him to Bible school. He went for all those years. He pastored five churches. For me not to have had a treasure full of mercy that only God could give, my brother would have would have been a, a misfit. He would have been a loser. He, if I wouldn't have brought him home, he would have, who knows what he would have done. That's the kind of altar calls we begin to give through the years. God has a treasure in you. And the moment that you need it, if you've seen his glory on your knees to receive his son, then you'll be able to pull out of that cup ministry. You'll pull out of vision. You'll pull out of holiness. You'll pull out of it mercy. Altar call after altar call and people flooding to the altar to, to pray the prayer, to lift their hands with, with upraised hands. Pray, God, give me these treasures. I need them today. That's evangelism. Yeah. Changing every church you ever went into. If you're going to go to 10,000 churches in your lifetime, get yourself in with God. Find a place where he can talk to you and he will give you the desires of your heart. Matt, you're in the beginning of an incredible career. If you will take advantage and buy some great books or talk to some great people, you got to talk to great people. Well, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> you got to talk to greater people than me. <laughs> you got to read many books. And in the next five years, you will change your life. If you don't, if you don't read another book and you don't talk to another great person that can bring a challenge to your life, you'll be the same person you are right now, Matt. The people that are listening to you, they are going to want to change their life. And they will change it. Yeah. And you will take them. No further than you can go, but if you can go all the way to the throne and see the glory of God and get the treasures, you'll take them with you. And that will be the, that will be the, the victory of your life. When you get 80, you'll get, you'll get letters that say, hey, please, can you help me? I just got home today from making some broadcasts with you, and there was a letter waiting for me this is from a single girl. She said, Dave, my dad, he loves you guys. But he lost his church, and he, he, he's lost his vision. He's lost everything. He's, he's, he's in the doldrums of life. She said, he loves you guys, and I'm going to ask you as his daughter. I don't even know where you're at right now. I know you, I think you're retired. I'm not sure. But if you could get a hold of me and call me and tell me that you'll help my dad. You know, I dialed the phone, and Sarah answered. I said, I want to help your dad. So I want to put him on the radio. He's a preacher. I want to give him a night and a day at my broadcast. I want to come to the. I want you to come to my house and I give you a couple of hours of of talk that will just lift lift you. 
he's got to be lifted right now. He's, he's, down, he's down as low as he can get. He, somebody needs to hold him up. And I looked at Judy when I hung up the phone. I said, baby, you realize people calling that we don't even know, people that have been around us for 40 years and we never knew their name, but they're calling in a time of need. And God placed us right here at this moment to say, I'll help you. I'll help you. That's what you're doing. You're helping yeah. people. This, this microphone is going to go a long way with you. You'll have guests that you won't believe will come your way. It's, it's just amazing what God does. Uh, the other day I was, I was doing a, a missionary trip to Dominican Republic, and I was preaching to a preacher's conference. With, yeah. and, and I preached my, my hour, and then the next hour was, was coming a man, and they introduced him and blew my mind. They said, now here is the vice president of General Motors in Michigan. He's our next speaker. Really? Gerald Johnson. Don't forget the name. Yeah. I sat and said, you mean to tell me the vice president of General Motors is speaking at this conference? And I went up to him at the end. I said, Gerald, I don't know who you are. you got to be some kind of a man. And you're, on the, you're going to be on the trucker network next week if you'll come. Wow. I told that. I, I, we probably had more truckers listen to that night because we put the news out. The, that is awesome. The man who's been in the yeah. truck visits, the car visits, he knows General Motors. He's going to be the speaker at the, yeah. at the trucker church. <laughs> His response is overwhelming. You never know where God's fitting you. You've got to look every day for who your eyes come in contact with because that's, that's where you're, you're going to go for that day. That's, the, that's what's going to mold your heart at the same time as your eyes touch each other. God will say, there he is. That's the man you want to talk to today. Hmm. When you came to my house and, and said, I'm here, Dave, how, how you doing? God said, there's the young man that can help you. He'll do your broadcast today if you call him. I called you out of the blue, knowing that you had a, a, a daughter's birthday party to attend. And I, I, I said, Matt, do you want, will you? Come to the broadcast today and help me make a radio broadcast. And you said, yes. Well, I wanted you to come help me. <laughs> and you ended up letting me be on the radio, so that was pretty cool. Well, real quick, uh, give some advice to somebody that's feeling called to evangelistic ministry. Maybe they have a gift or a talent. Whatever it is, they feel like they want to uh, just start ministering to people in, in uh you know, multiple churches, living on the road, doing that type of evangelism ministry, uh, f feeling the call. What what advice would you give to them? We sent a call out in our church. We have a church of 600 people. And Pastor Mike and I got together, and Pastor said, I want to invite all the young men who want to be in the ministry to have a special meeting every month. I went to the meeting. After the announcement, 15 young men wow. stepped up to the plate and came to that meeting. And they all said, we want to be preachers. We're here to learn. So I grabbed up four of them. And I said, come to my house next Monday. And bring a 15-minute message. And all four of you are going to preach. And then I'm going to critique you. I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right. And we'll go from good to great. Wow. And they all came to my house and went down to the basement. And they all start preaching. They're nervous as ever. Yeah, they were it's... doing. They were just trying their best, you know. And fifteen minutes was a long time for some of them. They, they, five minutes, they were wondering, "What am I going to say next?" 
that's how you help people. You have this little microphone here. You can, you can get guys into your home or into the church in a room somewhere and let them preach and, and let you help them. God will show you what's wrong with what they're doing. I had to teach these young men about platform talk, about language that you use behind the sacred desk. How do you walk and how do you lift your voice and, and where, do you, where do you stop? You're just not pacing from one end of the platform to the other. That's, that's what you've seen and that's, that's, yeah. that's, sometimes that's going to be all wrong for you. Yeah. And these men, they... I, I listened to one man speak for 10 minutes, and he said, um, 98 times. <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, I want to go, um. And I said, if you ever speak in front of me again, I will charge you $5 for every time you say um. <laughs> That's a challenge. And you know what? I thought he was going to be mad at me for the rest of my life. But at that point, I really didn't care. I did, but I, I wanted to challenge the guy and see yeah. what he was made out of. He almost was in tears. He almost said, Dave, I love you for that. Nobody else will ever tell me that, but you did. Wow. And I'm going to learn how to talk without saying um. So learning how to talk, you know, you're, you're pouring into these guys' lives. They need to go to Bible college or find somebody that's going to, a pastor that can mentor them. What's some other stuff they could do to get involved with evangelistic ministry? Buy the right kind of book. Don't buy a book that you're never going to read. You know, the, the, books are important, and, and maybe you could even, you need, I'm telling you, you need to be already writing your first book. I don't know what it's all about, but you need to be on it. And if I lived around you, I'd be on your case every day. Have you given a 30 minutes to that book yet? Have you given a 30 minutes to that book yet? You got a name for that book yet? This okay? is about the audience here, Dave. No. <laughs> I'm telling you so they can hear what's going to come out of you in the next few months. They're going to be amazed what's going to happen to me. Accountability right here. Now I need to. So if if you will read, you know, the evangel, you know, the the assemblies are going to have a a little magazine that they put out every month. They get like 300 articles a month, and they only use 10. So 29 are pitched in the garbage can. How do you choose? Here's the way they choose. If they read the reader, if they read the first page, and they'd be willing to pay a dollar to read it again, they're in. Hmm. If it's not worth a buck, the first page, they don't even read the second Check page it if it's in the trash can. You see, I went, to a, I went to a class of learning how to write books. They had the section for professionals who already have a book and then they have the novice section and i went over to the novice, novice. section I, i'd never written anything in my life and they man they said okay here's a guy that wants to and doesn't know how man they they bombarded me they gave me the dump truck full of stuff i walked out of that room energized writing a book you're half done when you just open up the first page and you get out the pencil the hardest part is to get started yeah so I would encourage these guys to read a book, book every week. Instead of watching television for 30 minutes, get you a comfortable chair and a light and a good glasses and, and a, a pencil in your hand and, and six or seven books and just set them there and take them one at a time. And as soon as you're bored and you don't get anything out of the next page, put that one down and pick up the next book and start into that. If you read a book a, a week, 
and mark it. Mark your Bible. If you don't read your Bible, buy a new one. Buy it, pay 150 bucks for it. You read it. Get get that kind of get you a library going. Mm. Before long, you need 500 books that uh, you can nib in at any time. I I didn't realize how much when you preach 14 times a week on the radio, how much you need a library. Yeah. And boy, I I did the right thing. I got the right books. I I took the time, paid the money. I had books that everybody was throwing away. I put them in my library, and boy, when I go down there, I have a I have a million dollars to to reach for. And every young man that wants to be in the ministry wants to do what you're doing. You better get John. You better be writing your first book. You better be reading ten as quickly as you can, and you better be you better be marking down you, you and not wasting your time watching. Let your wife watch the sitcoms. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Judy. I'll see you later. I'm I'm going downstairs. I'm. Uh, this is not this is not where I want to be right now. Well, let me talk to you about uh, the Pentecostal Evangel, where they you know they're throwing out all these articles and they're saying, hey, if I I want to read this again for a dollar, if I would pay a dollar to read this, speak a little bit about the quality of content somebody needs to you know be able to do in order to to speak in a church or you know sing or, or perform. Uh, or I guess do you call it performing, but be able to minister to people uh, in in an evangelistic setting. You, you, you got, have to be top notch. You got to yeah. no. You don't have to be top notch. You have to have heart. You got to preach your heart. You got to talk your heart. You got to show people your heart. If if you can't if you can't accomplish that, I don't care how good you can preach. If you have no heart, uh, people never forget ever when they see the person weep in front of them. People will laugh and be the laugh, but if, like my wife, my wife is a funny lady. She, she makes everybody laugh. But if I was to lose Judy tonight, the thing I would remember about her the most is the day she wept in front of me. You put a tear down Judy's cheek in front of me and, and I'll never forget that. You, you can tell me in a moment, and you can write it down on paper, how many people you have seen weep in front of you. You never forget that. So when you speak, if you're going to talk about weeping, you better weep. If you're talking about laughing, you better laugh. Do it from your heart. Do it with, uh, with the energy that, that God gives you, and that's spiritual energy. You got, if you're going to be a minister of the gospel, you better have some spiritual energy. Everything else can be gone. You can be dead. You're tired and exhausted. But when you have spiritual energy, and it's your turn, God will help you and give you heart. Speak from experience. Don't be afraid to tell a story on yourself. Don't be afraid to weep. I think the the fa- my favorite you know sermons that I've heard are really you're you're at a summer camp or you're somewhere and God's just really working on your heart and you you go to the altar and you have those really uh, powerful God moments. It's it's when they touch you emotionally. They're they're preaching great content, but they're doing it with passion. That really drives you. And you you do that, and I I think that's a that's a powerful that's a powerful recommendation. What about um, the character of an evangelist? Now, I know just from talking with you is you guys were always going to local churches. It, didn't, it doesn't sound like to me you were trying to get those big venues or the big uh, shows 
but it, you really had a heart for the local church. Talk about the character of an evangelist. What do they need to be like? How do they keep from having a big head? Well, you know, when we started in gospel music, we were Bible school students learning how to preach. and We were trying to be uh, godly. We were trying to be Christians. And, and we got the name put on us by all of gospel music called There Goes the Holy Joes. It was tough on us. People used it as a sarcasm. People used it as something to put us down. Oh, let the, let the Holy Joes go first. You know, we had to go first for, for years and years and years. We went first. We had to. Everybody pushed us. Uh, they're preachers. They, they, they come here to preach. They didn't come here to sing. They, they're they're going to tell everybody about Jesus. We only want songs. And so they, they, they'd say, put them on first. The crowd isn't here yet. By the time uh, they're through with their 20 minutes, everybody get 20 minutes, their 20 minutes, the crowd will just be getting in. Nobody will even hear them. So we went first for more than a dozen years. One day we said, you know, we're tired of being first. And so we got down on our knees and prayed. We said, Lord, we're tired of being first. We've been out here a long time. We've done it. We're Holy Joes. We're just trying to do something for you. Give us an idea. Give us something that we can go with. And come up with the idea. We'd go to the promoter and we'd say, look, we're willing to go first all the time. We have been. But we're going to ask you for 20 extra minutes. Instead of 20 like everybody else is going to have, we want 40. Give us 40 minutes. And every promoter said, Dave, you bet. You guys deserve wow. it. You can have 40 minutes. Well, we went back to our knees and prayed and put down on paper seven songs that would be dynamite. God's put them in order, put them where we can do them, and give us what we need. And Neil, God gave Neil the song, The Statue of Liberty, and that was last. And we went out the, for a whole year, and we gave that seven-song program filled with power and filled with everything wow. and ended with that, and the, the whole place stood to their feet and wouldn't quit clapping the whole year. <laughs> Next year, we went back. We went to all those places again because it was kind of a yearly thing. Every promoter came to me and said, Dave, you're last tonight. What? Last? <laughs> How'd that happen? He said, nobody wants to follow you. <laughs> so for the last seven years, we were last at anything we ever sung at. And all the groups, in the end, they all began to come to our bus at night. After we were all sleeping, they'd knock on the door, and we'd walk up there and say, who is it? And it was another singer saying, I need you guys to pray for me. Nobody else in this business knows how to pray but you. I need you. Wow. I said, what are you, what are you doing? He said, well, you know, we're driving to Long Beach tonight, California. We're going from Oakland to Long Beach. We had an eight-hour trip, and we're driving through the night. And he said, oh, we've been playing cards over in our bus. He said, I just lost $500, and I, my wife is waiting for money tomorrow, and I don't have any to send her, and I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. I'm a gospel singer. I'm, I'm supposed to be taking care of my family, and I blew all my money at the card game. Well, I've been sleeping like a baby back in my bed. <laughs> yeah. I've been thanking the Lord for a beautiful night and, and a great way to go. And, you know, through the last four or five years, 
we just had everybody come to our buses for prayer. Holy Joes, maybe that's what they call us. But in those moments, when we prayed for our friends, we made friends for the first time in the last seven years out of everybody. Everybody became our friend. They ended up coming to the edge of the stage just to watch us. And they'd come up to us and say, Couriers, can you teach us how to do what you do? So what are we doing? He said, I, uh, we're just watching you, and, and we, we, don't know how to, we don't know how to do that. I said, we don't know what we're doing either. It's the Lord that's doing it through us, and you have to learn how to do that too. Sometimes you just have to do what God asks you to do. I don't, I don't want to get emotional, but boy, it's, you're making it tough on me. I'm reliving some intimate, incredible moments of my life that made all the years, all the travels, around the world with 10,000 churches, made it all worthwhile with just one guy to come say, pray for me. Wow. What well, kind of shows, you know, when, when you get fame, you start becoming a celebrity, people want your autograph, and you're doing it to preach the gospel, you can be in a real dilemma because it's so easy for you to take that treasure and, 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 and reap those favors on yourself and all the benefits that come with fame and power and prestige. And well, it seems like those people weren't satisfied with that, and, and you guys were doing something different. We we had a we had a guy in our group that wanted to be in the top ten. He wanted to, he wanted so much for our group to be in the top ten. He would travel by himself to Nashville just to get in with the big boys. He learned how to smoke, he learned how to drink, he learned how to carouse, carouse with the women. He, he he learned all the wrong stuff. When he came home, he blew smoke in our face on the microphone, and we all quit. We said, "You're smoking. I smelled it. We're done. We quit." And the next day, he said, I know you guys all resigned, and I'm by myself. He said, but I, the Lord told me that I should quit, that you are the couriers. You are his messenger sent in haste with an important message, and, and I'll quit. And you go on to take, their, take the couriers. We went out of the auditorium for work for a couple of years. We went back to church. Best thing ever happened to us. That's when missions came into focus. And we, we had our whole life turned around, topsy-turvy, upside down, thinking, what in the world is God doing with us? Only to find it at the end of it, it was just a rock. We found a rock wow. to stand on. It didn't matter whether we were in the clique. And there was a clique in gospel music. We weren't a part of the gang. We weren't a part of, of the, the, the gang that controlled everything. We were just outsiders, outsiders, total outsiders. But when they wanted somebody to pray for them, they didn't go to the clique. They came to the guys who had showed them they could be a friend to them. I think what we need for people that are going to be evangelists, really go and, and reach the nations around the world, you know, go to Africa, go to Asia, uh, go, go to South America, go to the United States. We need men of character to preach the gospel, women of character to sing. And do these type of things, and and that's what I really see with you guys. Uh, learning a lot from that. Mm. Let's uh, let's finish up here. What what's one last word? I'll give you the last word of the show. 
Dave, <laughs> that you'd have for people interested in that and, and really for also for people going to evangelistic meetings? Give them, give them a word. Make sure that everything is right at home. Make sure that you're right with your wife, with your kids, and that you're doing a good job there. God can't bless you if you have troubles at home. You have you won't be able to minister in the pulpit. You'll be you'll be worried about uh, how terrible you are to your family. So get that right first. Uh, make yourself irresistible to your wife, so that no other woman can fit into that. Mm-hmm. You see, we as men, we get our self-esteem from our work. We're workers. You know, you take our job and we become a mope on the couch. You give us a job and we'll be up at four o'clock yeah. saying, hey, yeah, let me go, let me get at it. I gotta, I gotta get a job. Uh, my neighbor here, he knows that he knows when you give him a job and, and, and he turns on like a light bulb, okay? We all do as men. Now, your wife, she doesn't, she could have 10 jobs and it wouldn't give her any self-esteem. A lady's self-esteem comes from a male figure. So your wife has to be carefully cared for by you. Now, the problem with that is that I see in the world, you get up in the morning, you don't comb your hair, you don't brush your teeth, you have them shaved, you sit uh, undressed, uh, a bum on on the couch. Your wife is working. And you peck her on the cheek when she leaves, and, and you look like last year's bird's nest, and she walks out. She's been dressed, washed her hair, combed it, makeup, clothes. She goes to the office, and ten men tell her what she needs, a male figure. You look nice today. I love your dress. I love the way you comb your hair. And her husband has been home, a mope on the couch, a bum. If you don't take care of those at home and you don't care for your family, you don't become irresistible to, to your wife, somebody else is going to be getting her. They'll take her from you. Mm-hmm. Then you won't be worth anything. When you take the ways of the world, you can't do God's way. There's a road that God leads you on. And the quicker you can build an interstate to God. A lot of people don't know how to do that. They go up the windy road around trees and rocks, and when they want to get to God, it takes them 40 minutes to to get rid of the guilt that they haven't talked to him for so long. That's the wrong way in life, and so many, even preachers, do do that. But when you build a superhighway, multi-lanes, and when somebody says, can you pray for me? Bingo! You're up that superhighway into the very throne room of God and you're, you're able to see his glory and it comes all over you and you do the job that God wants you to do instead of saying, well, man, give me a 30 minutes now. I got I to gotta get to God. Uh, there's all these rocks in the way and I, I can't do it. Build you a superhighway. Don't have any potholes. Don't have detour signs. Don't have things that will confuse you. Go right to the throne room and lift your voice and God will hear you and you'll get the best out of life. That's you will word. get the... My, I'm getting lower and, and more quiet the longer I'm with you. I was talking pretty loud when I came here and I'm down to a whisper. You're doing great. I think we're done. <laughs> Good. That was a great interview. 
Good to be with you, Matt. God bless you. I Thank pray you so for you. much. God Dave. bless Matt today. Minister to him. Put him on a super highway that will allow him to follow the right pathway, get on the right road, and do a job for you like nobody else can. Thank you for hearing us when we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Dave, so much for coming on the episode. That was that was very great and inspiring. I just really appreciate you coming with all your passion, your ideas, and your experience. Thank you. Like I said earlier, I have some books to give away. Dave was so generous and wanted to benefit you. And uh, he has given me six autographed copies of his latest book, Our Final Quarter. It was authored by the original Courier, so Dave himself and then also Dwayne and Neil. And this book is their story of reuniting uh, with their gospel singing group and really enjoying over five decades of singing together. It's it's a good book and has a lot of great stories. So if you like the stories that Dave talked about in his interview, you can pick it up and we're going to be giving it away. So he said in the interview that leaders need to be reading and they need to be talking to great people. So this book can help you do just that. And the way that you can get one of these six autographed copies of Dave's book, Our Final Quarter, is to head on over to my blog, pastormattshaw.com forward slash 006, pastormattshaw.com slash 006. And the way that you can enter is leave a comment on the post answering this question. What special event have you been on that has changed your life the most? What special event have you been to that has changed your life the most? Share some details about the event of what God did in your life during uh, during this event and just really uh, what God was doing to communicate in your life. I'd love to hear those stories and just listen. And you have now until December 31st. So when you're listening to this 2014, December 31st, 2014 is the cutoff. And after that, Dave and I are going to be picking uh, six people when we will ship you the book and send it to you. So uh, we'd love for you to leave that comment on the blog. It, it's again, pastormattshaw.com forward slash 006. That'll take you to the episode. And you can also leave any comment you want there. Uh, to be entered in to win one of these six copies. So thank you, Dave, for giving those books away. And I just uh, wanted to kind of wrap up with my thoughts, and I just I could not get over how dynamic Dave Colonin is. And he is just somebody that I look up to so much, and I'm glad I could share that interview with you. And we are getting pretty long. This is our longest episode by far. So we're going to be wrapping up now. And uh, I just want to remind everybody that that you can connect on the show. You can connect with me on Twitter and Facebook at Pastor Matt Shaw. Also, you can tweet or using the hashtag Renewing Our City. That'll let you connect with all the tweets going out there on the Renewing Our City podcast. I'm just uh, ready to take a break. I'm probably going to take a nap after this. I'm pretty tired. So uh, I'm going to let you go. And just thank you so much, Dave. And for all of you listening out there, I just really appreciate you listening to the show. Thanks.